You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Zechariah 4.6. This is what he says. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Well, if we're going to understand this verse, we need to know a little bit more about who this dude Zerubbabel is, other than being a very hard name to say. Uh, we know from Haggai 1.14 that he's the governor of Judah. Uh, let me explain that. So about 70 years before... Uh, that's all right. It wasn't great anyway. Hey, I'm glad you cut it now and not 15 minutes from now. That's all right. Good morning, Mission family. It's a joy to be with you uh, this morning. We're continuing this study of, of how the, what's going on in the world is impacting us. And today we're going to look at this topic of how do we move forward we're going to look at God's blueprint for moving forward in our lives. When we're sort of stuck, when we're sort of in a place not certain about how to move forward, when we, when we have fear, uh, we, we're, we're not able to take that first step. God's given us a blueprint for how we can move forward. And we find that in Zechariah 4, 6, where he says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. August was a tough month for me, to be honest. Um, it was a, a time uh, of lots of pressure at work. Uh, in late July, the governor had come out with his announcement that schools were not going to be allowed to open in person. I knew that that's what was best for students. And uh, every day there were new pressures in the month of August as we tried to create pathways to open. I had people that opposed the very idea of opening. I had people that thought it was crazy that we wouldn't open. I had people on one side of the mask issue and people on the other. I had government entities breathing down my neck. It was a really challenging time. And several nights uh, during the month of August, I'd wake up at two o'clock in the morning with my mind racing, uh, thinking about responses that I needed to give to this person, or how do I move forward on this topic, or what if I did this, or what if I did that? And it was just a, a really difficult time. And my, my gut is that some of you have been feeling that same kind of way. Uh, that COVID has got you in that kind of a place, knowing that you should be moving forward, knowing that you, uh, God has something for you in the future, but you're sort of stuck. And we're going to look at God's blueprint for moving forward. Zechariah 4, 6 says this, Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Well, if we're going to understand this passage, we need to know a little bit more about Zerubbabel. Uh, Haggai 1.14 tells us that he's the governor of Judah. Let's back up a little bit to understand that. So about 70 years before that point, uh, Judah and Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. The Babylonians were a, the, a powerful empire. They came in, they destroyed Jerusalem, they captured the Jewish people, and they took them into exile in Babylon. Uh, Zerubbabel's grandfather had been one of the last kings of Judah. And uh, as they were in captivity there, uh, eventually Babylon falls and the kingdom of Persia rises up to take its place. 
One of the first kings of Persia was a dude named Cyrus. And Cyrus comes up with an edict. He says, uh, the people groups that have been exiled and brought here can be now returned to their homeland. And about 40,000 Jewish individuals leave Persia to go back to Jerusalem and in Judah. And they were led by two individuals, a high priest named Joshua and a governor or ruling uh, person named Zerubbabel. So that's the background of who uh, Zerubbabel was. And as they arrive in Judah and Jerusalem, one of the first things they do is build an altar to the Lord. And that allows them to practice the sacrifices that were part of the Jewish faith. But somehow after that process, things begin to fall apart and they, they fail to make progress on what God wants them to be doing. And that's to rebuild his temple. The temple is a, a, uh, the, the location, the manifestation, the, the, the place where God met his people. It was a physical representation of God's interaction with, with human beings. And God wanted uh, that to be rebuilt. But the people sort of lost their way. And I'm going to share four words that begin with the letter D that really describe what Zerubbabel is facing. First is the word distraction. The people, the Jewish people had become distracted. They were no longer on task with what God wanted them to be doing. In many ways, the good had become the enemy of the great. They had gone there, they had built this altar. That was a good thing that they had done, but they were neglecting the great, the fact that God wanted them to rebuild his temple. Second D is the word dough. And it's the fact that the people of Judah became very focused on their own financial success. Pastor Jason shared this last week uh, from the book of Haggai, where uh, Haggai challenges the people of uh, Judah and Jerusalem and says, you've been so focused on building your own houses. Your houses have panelings, which indicates that they're no longer temporary structures. They've been uh, focused on doing and building and growing their own wealth rather than building the house of the Lord. The third D that uh, Zerubbabel faced it can be summed up in the word discrimination. The people of that region uh, began to persecute the Jewish people. And you can understand why. When uh, the Jewish people have been exiled to Babylon, whether perhaps Bab the Babylonians brought other people in or if the people from that region just began to take over the land and territory and houses and farming property that the Jewish people had left behind. But here these Jewish people come back and they're looking to rebuild Jerusalem and they're looking to re uh, take over the areas that they'd been involved with in the past. And these local people were very opposed to it. But I use the word discrimination for a reason. We see this in Ezra chapter four, verses 11 through 16. And uh, in that passage, you realize that the, um, the people of that region had a very specific uh, case against them that relates to um, a, a lot of racial identity and racism that was inherent within that group of individuals. Uh, they say in, in Ezra chapter four, verse 11, this is a letter that they sent to the king of Persia. This is a copy of the letter they sent to Artaxerxes the king. Your servants, the men of the province beyond the river, send greeting. And now be it known to the king that the Jews who came up from you to us have gone to Jerusalem. They are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. They are finishing the walls and repairing the foundations. Now be it known to the king that if this city is rebuilt and the walls finished, they will not pay tribute, custom, or toll, and the royal revenue will be impaired." 
Now, because we eat the salt of the king's palace and it is not fit, fitting for us to witness the king's dishonor, therefore we send and inform the king in order that search may be made in the book of the records of your fathers. You will find in the book of the records and learn that this city is a rebellious city, hurtful to kings and provinces, and that sedition was stirred in, up in it from old. That was why this city was laid to waste. And they go on from there. And the thing that I think is really interesting is that there's a, a level of uh, racial uh, racism that's inherent in what these uh, local individuals are bringing up. These people, these Jewish people are known for sedition. They're going to be rebellious. They're going to, uh, you know, cut you out of the uh, tolls and, and taxes that you deserve. And then the final D is discouragement. We see that in Ezra chapter four as well, verse four, uh, where it says, then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. So Zerubbabel had to deal with discouragement. So this outside pressure results in an inside issue for the people of Judah. The Jewish people no longer are, are, are focused on what they should be focused on. They're, they're distracted. They're focused on building their own wealth. They've been discriminated against. And then the result of that is a kind of depression that begins to mark their uh, lives at that point. They're discouraged. Now, it's important to remember that Zerubbabel is very aware of the history of the people of Judah. Uh, Seventy years before, when Jerusalem was destroyed, it was because God had removed his hand of protection from them because of their disobedience. They had uh, chosen to chase after the idols of the people groups that were around them. They'd even practiced uh, child sacrifice. And God uh, removes his hand of protection and the Babylonians come in and uh, do battle. And Zerubbabel is very aware of those stories and, and recognizes the fact that there's a spiritual element to this, that God's desire is to have his people grow in relationship to him and that the temple was a significant part of it. So God sends Zechariah with a special message to Zerubbabel. Uh, in Zechariah 4, 6 that we've read before, uh, we see that message. And he says there, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Well, he uses these two words, might and power, and they, they sound like synonyms, Right? They're actually two different Hebrew words. The first word, the word that we've translated might, um, is actually translated as army everywhere else it's used in the Old Testament. It's the idea of a military might that would have allowed Zerubbabel to overcome his enemies, these people that were around him that were putting pressure and preventing them from uh, rebuilding Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple. The second word, the word that's translated power, uh, is often used to mean a strength of the will. It's a kind of personal strength that would allow one to overcome a certain situation. It would, it's the idea of picking yourself up from your own bootstraps. Uh, Zerubbabel was not going to be able to gut his way through this challenge. So God's telling him it's not going to happen through military strength, the kind of thing that you might look to as outside yourself that would allow you to be able to move forward in what you're dealing with. And it's not going to happen because of the strength of your will that you're going to sort of gut your way through this challenge. God says, my blueprint for moving forward is very different. He says, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He's saying there's nothing that you can do in and of yourself that's going to allow you to move forward, to do what needs to be done. Rather, I'm going to do it uh, through my Holy Spirit. 
And I love how that verse finishes because it describes it as a Lord of hosts. And that term of hosts is actually another word that connotes the idea of an army. And it's this idea that, of God having an unseen army working in the unseen world in support of his causes here on earth. If we're gonna understand uh, what this uh, blueprint means when he says, but by my spirit, then we need to understand what the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is. And uh, I wanna point out four things that we know about the Holy Spirit that we're gonna be able to apply in the situation that you may be facing and I may be facing. First of all, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in us at the moment of salvation. We see this in Ephesians 1.13, where it talks about the fact that we're sealed with the provision of the promised Holy Spirit. So each one of us as a believer has the Holy Spirit inside of us. And that allows us to be able to tap into this blueprint that uh, Zechariah is describing here. Second thing to know about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a helper. We see this in John chapter 14. The actual word that's used there is parakleto. And that word means one who comes alongside. And sometimes it's translated in English translations as comforter. Sometimes it's translated as helper. But I think both pictures are, are, are amazing when we think about what we're facing right now. So the idea of a comforter is somebody that comes alongside and puts their arm around you and holds you tight and comforts you and is with you as you go through some really tough circumstances in life. But it also carries with it the idea of a helper, right? When you're in the middle of doing something that's difficult and challenging, there's somebody right there with you uh, helping to get it done, doing the heavy lifting with you, making the difference in that regard. That's the powerful picture that we have of the Holy Spirit. Third characteristic of the Holy Spirit to understand is that the Holy Spirit allows us to communicate with God the Father. Romans 8, 26 describes it this way. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So when we're in prayer, it's literally the Holy Spirit that's allowing and making possible that communication with God. And then four, uh, the Holy Spirit is a source of power, of God's power for us. Uh, we see this in Acts 1.8, among many other places, but it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I think the big thing to understand about the power that the Holy Spirit gives us is the power to do God's will. And uh, right now, many of us find ourselves in that situation, right? 2020 has been crazy. We're sort of stuck in a situation. We're dealing with, um, you know, an economy that's been closed and, and many of us have had businesses closed or been financially impacted or lost jobs because of COVID. We've uh, lived in varying levels of social isolation and uh, that's not the way God made us to be. God made us to be in relationship with other people. And so this has become a difficult time and I see it a lot where people's emotional and mental health is not where it should be and that it really challenges them with how they respond to crises. And then we had deal with COVID-19 itself and that it's, it's a health crisis and we deal with worry and fear as to whether I'll get it or whether I'll pass it on to a loved one. So all of this puts us in a, a very challenging and difficult place. But God's made clear something in your life that you're to be doing and going after and uh, he's given you a blueprint in this passage about how you can begin 
to make that happen in your life. The, uh, I think in many ways, the four Ds that I described earlier can fit our situation. First of all, we're distracted, right? We're distracted because we're inundated with 24-hour news coverage, media coverage on COVID, and it builds up fear within us. If you spend too much time on CNN, you think the end of the world is nigh, and, uh, and that's uh, a challenge that we're distracted from what we should be doing. Or dough. I mean, I know in my life, the, uh, during the early lockdown period, it was some of my best time to be reaching out to others and be interacting and, and seeking to meet the needs of others. And as it came into summer and I had to uh, re, uh, get back into my job again and uh, have the challenges that went with that, I uh, realized that I was um, being pulled away from some of these good things because of my focus on my work. Or discrimination, we face opposition and it may result in, uh, you know, because you have a different perspective about how to approach life in the time of COVID or you may have somebody that's opposed to you because uh, they don't want to see you take God seriously in your life. And then finally, probably the big D that we're all dealing with to some extent is discouragement. We've been, uh, we're fighting against ourselves. Uh, we're, we're working against what we should be doing. Uh, we see in our lives discouragement, despair, uh, depression, anxiety. All of these things are, are marking and characterizing our life. So how does God's message in Zechariah allow us to overcome that situation? Let's think about those four things that the Holy Spirit does for us. First, um, in order to, be able to tap into God's blueprint that he's given through Zechariah to Zerubbabel, uh, we need to be in relationship with God because that's what allows the Holy Spirit to be uh, within us. And remember that that begins at the moment of salvation. So it begins by recognizing that God's made us as human beings to be in relationship with him. God's desire for us is to be in relationship, but man chose to do bad things. Man chose to sin and that fractured the relationship with God. But God loved us. God wants to be in relationship. So he made a way by sending his son to earth. Jesus lived a sinless, perfect life. And then as he died on the cross, God poured, on out, poured out on him the sins of the whole world. So Christ paid the punishment that you and I deserve to pay. And when we accept that, when we recognize that we're completely unable to earn God's approval on our own, but we accept his free gift of Christ, then we begin to have relationship with God and God's Holy Spirit is inside us. And when that happens, this blueprint for uh, being able to move forward becomes relevant for us. And the second element of who the Holy Spirit is, is that he's the one who comes alongside, right? The comforter, the helper. Uh, that's what we need in the world that we're in right now, Right? Third is we need to be in prayer. And we talked earlier about how the Holy Spirit helps make that possible. We really see this in Philippians chapter four and uh, verses six and seven. Do not be anxious about anything, right? During this time of COVID, 2020 has brought just an, an, a multitude of reasons to be anxious. But God's word here says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then finally, we need the Holy Spirit's power to move forward. Um, 
the Holy Spirit resides in us, makes it possible for us to pray. And so our action uh, from this blueprint that we saw in Zechariah is to call out to the Lord and ask for his Holy Spirit to empower us to know how to move forward, to seek that power to be able to do God's will in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for this blueprint, Lord, that your word can be understood because our human tendency is to want to do things in and of ourselves, to, to find ways for, ways for us to move forward ourselves, uh, looking for an external power that would allow it or, or finding a way to gut it out ourselves. And yet you said uh, through your word that the blueprint is, to, uh, is through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, um, I just ask for the, the people listening today, Lord, that they would recognize their need to be in relationship with you you that gives them access to the Holy Spirit, Lord. And I would uh, ask and call for your Holy Spirit to be a helper and comforter to us, Lord. Uh, thank you that through this prayer, uh, the Spirit is even now making these requests known to you, Lord. And Lord, I just ask for your power in my life and the lives of each and every member of the mission, Lord, and each and every person that's listening here today, that through that, they may be able to take those steps forward to not live in fear, but to do your will in their life. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.